0: You are an all-star, Jasmine, and don't let me ever hear you saying otherwise again. Plus, the King's Palace continues to take on water, Ayana continues to maybe turn the whole house against her, teams that can communicate thrive while those that can't suffer, and there's a 90s-themed party, but we barely get to see it. What the fuck, Challenge Producers? What are you thinking? It's the Challenge All-Stars 2 episode 8 recap coming up right now. What up my fellow challenge lovers and welcome to the challenge historian where we dive deep into all things MTV's the challenge past present or future if it's happening in the challenge universe then we are here to document it I am your host and dedicated challenge historian Jacob Hollibaugh thank you so very much for being here with us today on today's podcast we are talking all stars Two, episode 8 recapping the whole thing. Now, full disclosure, you might be wondering if you've been listening to the All-Stars Recaps why this podcast is so much later than the others, and that is because, well, uh, let's just say we had a rough ending to the new year here on the Challenge Historian podcast. By that, I mean I didn't turn the microphone on when I recorded this last Thursday, and as usual, too, just not intelligent enough to realize that until the whole thing's recorded and I think I'm done. And then we didn't have enough time to re-record it that day, or and then it just became the weekend and New Year's and everything like that. So we're back on Monday, but we're still we're gonna we're gonna do it again, take two, cause we can't skip an All Star episode. These episodes have been way too good, and we just we just can't skip it. So we gave ourselves a couple days to refresh. so We didn't feel like we're just saying the exact same thing over with, uh, which we're pretty much hopefully going to do because thought it was a good recap, and then it didn't exist in the world. Um, So that's that. We're discussing All-Stars 2, Episode 8. That is why it is coming later than normal. As for programming notes for now, this current week that we are in, we will only have one other podcast this week. That will be an on-time on Thursday, All-Stars 2, Episode 9 recap. Um, No review preview for this week and possibly for next week, as well, while we kind of get shuffled into the new year here and figure out what the exact plan is moving forward, Uh, moving into, we're only, you know, two weeks away from, or a week and a half away from the season finale of All-Stars, and suddenly we're going to have gone from two seasons of the challenge to zero really, really, really fast, Um, and we're not exactly sure what's on the horizon other than we know All-Stars 3 is filmed, um, so we assume that's probably coming Definitely coming out next and probably pretty soon, unless they maybe make us wait a little bit to kind of bridge the gap, but while they can get either an All-Stars 4 or a Challenge 38 filmed, we don't know, but we might get some more info on that over the course of the next week and a half. So for now, All-Stars 8 recap right here today, Episode 9 recap on Thursday, Episode 10 recap in the finale recap the week after that. At a minimum, if anything else pops up, maybe we'll throw in an extra little bonus mini-pod along the way. But that's the plan for today. Same same schedule as usual. Cliff Notes recap, storylines, awards, power rankings, and predictions. So, without further ado, let's get into it. All Stars 2, Episode 8, Cliff Notes recap to start us off. right, here we go. Everything that happened in Episode 8 of All Stars 2, as quickly as we can, the entire plot wrapped up, especially now that we're doing this a few days later, I actually do kind of need to remind myself a little bit of what happens. So here we go. Three, two, one, and we're off. The King's Palace is celebrating yet again after a DQ saved both teams from facing each other in eliminations. However, Janay tries to say her congrats to the King's Palace and is promptly kicked out of the palace, ruffling some feathers in an unforced air by that alliance. We then go to a daily challenge. It's called Dive and Conquer. The pairs have to run one mile round trip to that good old cenote yet again, jump into the cenote where they can see a puzzle, then at the end, back at the starting line, put that puzzle back together. As many trips as required to get the puzzle done the first team to do so holds the power the last team is going straight to the arena now the puzzle proves very hard honestly one team stays the most composed though and focused to bring home the win and that is John A and MJ eventually it's the Kings Pals battling for last place with Teknayana edging out Latarian and Jasmine who are now going into elimination At the house, Jody gives Jasmine a pep talk as she is doubting herself a bit. Then MJ and John A. consider going against their alliance to put the best teams in, but decide against doing so. Well, you know, MJ does. John A. seems to have kind of wanted to pull the trigger on that, but they decide Nehemiah and Melinda and Ayana and Tech are up for selection. There's then a 90s party that we only see about 10 seconds of, shamefully, a Greek salad fiasco with Ayana continuing to turn the house against her, and then selections where Nehemiah and Melinda are sent in to face Latarian and Jasmine. At that arena, they play like clockwork. One person is in a glass case that has six puzzle codes on the ground that they have to relay to their partner on the outside who tries to put the gear puzzle together from one of those six codes. Would be pretty easy and straightforward, but the whole time, sand is pouring into the glass case, covering the players, which in this case are Latarian and Nehemiah, in sand and covering up those codes. It's a very messy and chaotic display, but... Nehemiah and Melinda prove to have much better communication. They get the job done fairly quickly. Jasmine and Latarian are headed home. Ten people remain. Five teams. Nehemiah and Melinda are officially into the final with the Lifesavers before the final daily challenge. One more team will get sent home next episode before TJ's final can be run. And that is where the episode ends. All right. So a lot happened. We're... we are on the verge of a final or you know if this was last season of All Stars we would already be there 10 people left. Uh, I guess I couldn't do very good math uh, throughout this season to have never realized it took me until the middle of this episode to realize oh I guess they're doing either a two part finale or uh you know less or less teams are going. I thought it was going to be 10 all along. TJ tells us it's going to be 8. So that's the very very end of the episode. That's everything that happened in the episode. Let's go back to the start and talk through some of the storylines. Alrighty, there's only there's only one storyline to start with. that has now just become the dominant, overarching storyline of essentially the entire season. Now we're on episode three or four of it, and only gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And that is the King's Palace. Of course, the King's Palace continues to to run the game from a, uh, a standpoint of the storylines and the discussion and uh, just kind of being very much out there they continue to kick absolutely worked as far as uh, actually getting as many members of the king's palace to the final as possible because for the third straight episode they they end up you know going against each other in elimination they end up battling for last place in the daily challenge and, you know, performance-wise, as far as the sports portion of this considered, the, the King's Palace is getting a pretty pretty poor grade. However, television-wise, the King's Palace is getting an absolute A+. Plus and just vibes-wise, they're getting an A+. Plus and, you know, camaraderie and loyalty. And they sure do have a really good celebration parties. We're now on our third episode in a row of opening with King's Palace. You know, getting that champagne out, doing a little dance, singing their Save the Palace song. All of that, but it's uh it's certainly a fascinating thought experiment to think what if they could have just won a daily challenge or two, how different this season could have looked. Um, because they're you know, as far as loyalty and unity of an alliance, it's about as strong of an alliance as we've seen in a lot of challenge seasons. They just happen to not be very good at uh winning any power into in the game, but uh you know they, i guess that's the first note they continue to get worked as we said they battle for last place again in the daily challenge um and it is should be said uh with all that loyalty is really really great but there are certain cracks starting to show in the king's palace they're they're, they're kind of falling apart from within a tiny tiny bit not necessarily From from any uh, one not being loyal to the group, but from maybe them not being able to just not be able to work together uh, all that much. And the first of that is Ayana and Tech. Who uh, you know, Ayana said from the start she wanted to work with Tech mostly because she wanted to look at him some more. And uh, he was he was you know cool with working with her when they originally had to make those pick those teams, but they weren't aware at the time that they were picking a partner for the rest of the challenge and now he opens the episode saying you know he's kind of doing two different challenges at once he's playing the actual game and then he's also playing the keep ayana and tech emotionally intact uh game of its own so those two are definitely in them during the during the daily challenge they have as many issues as any team as far as you know who's leading the way are they working together is one person taking charge that their their communication is pretty poor during it they're they're just kind of team camaraderie within their actual partnership isn't quite where the overall King's Palace Alliance's camaraderie is. And then you've got Jasmine and Litarian. Letarian just constantly kind of pumping trying to pump up Jasmine, trying to talk her up, trying to, you know, help her get through the daily challenge in this one. Then you've got Ayana, just in general, kinda of slowly but surely pissing off the entire house, um, including some of the people in her alliance who are like, you know, uh, this is great, but also maybe it's not so great if every, every day, every nominations, every whatever, like, uh, you're kind of a focal part of everything. And that, you know, that, that's not always necessarily a great place to be, even if for us, the viewer, it's an amazing place because we're getting some absolutely just iconic, unbelievable moments from her out of it. Um, And you know the whole the whole last three to four episodes, really the whole season, the the king's palace, while being amazing as a unified alliance. Really, Nehemiah and Melinda are the two that are both taking the shots from the rest of the house uh, as much as anything, and also the only ones able to put in a, a. decent or quality performance at all, which they do again in this episode. Um, They perform the best in the daily challenge. They come up just shy of winning, but perform very well together, have good communication, have solid endurance. They just don't quite get it done quite as fast as MJ and Jade, but still very good performance from them. And then a really, really good performance uh, in the elimination, which we'll talk about in a moment. So they get through to the final. So the Kings Palace stayed unified, stayed loyal, lose a couple more members, have some other members in Ayana and Tech maybe not showing the greatest partnership camaraderie, but there's only two people in the final right now, and they are uh, they are the leaders of the King's Palace, the King and Queen of the King's Palace, if you will. So hats off to Nehemiah and Melinda for that. We'll talk more about them in a moment. We'll move on from the King's Palace update to... Uh, before we talk about anything else, I guess we'll just—it's easiest to go with the daily challenge first. So let's discuss just the daily challenge, the first of our two sporting events. It's called Dive and Conquer. Um, there's that snow tay again. It seems like—I mean, the producers of the show either are unbelievable, like truly just unbelievable at their jobs, or a little bit lazy or just found a way to be able to do both because it seems like hey, they went to Cancun and they're like, hey, we found a dope house on the water and we found this cenote and the kind of jungle around it and it's not that far from the waterfront and we can pretty much film this entire show at the house, immediately in front of the house on the beach and at the cenote and that's all, that's all we need and the season's done, we did it. Locations conquered, done and you know what? That's unbelievably impressive. um and ex- ex- especially for is from a kind of a side note of you know all stars versus the flagship show and all the different conversations we've had on this podcast about the comparing and contrasting the two of them um, in the last month or two. Uh, it should be said it's another another huge win kind of for all stars and how easy it seems like this season. Would have been to produce compared to the flagship one. We already know it's the condensed story, which for the or the condensed time frame, which in some ways might make a few things a little harder, or just a little more frantic, and maybe makes the um, kind of the editing maybe of the show possibly if they're also working on a quicker turnaround time frame, maybe a little bit more difficult. But it, it's got to be better just from a. It takes a lot less time, it takes a lot less money, and now they're pulling off an awesome season with you know legitimately, I think they have three locations. I don't think they've had to do anything other than go immediately out front of the house where they – it's not a beach, but it's the – the first challenge was there. I think the third or fourth um, was partially there, um, but out right by the ocean. It's beautiful, and it's perfect setup for them to do their thing, and it potentially came with the rental of the house. And then they got the cenote right there – in the jungle and just a little area around it where they can run or put a puzzle together or whatever, but pretty much they've got those three spots and that's all they've needed. And so from a cost standpoint, a time standpoint, a number of staff standpoint, all around the, just the production of the season um, it would be hard for those financing this to not be like, so we're getting just as many viewers, if not more for this. And it, is way faster to do. It's cheaper. It's just more streamlined, efficient, all these different ways. It's just, it's just another note to put out there into the kind of comparison pot of the two and what's going to get kind of put on the forefront versus the back burner from a, you know, Murray Paramount perspective of what should we really put all of our resources behind here? So That's a side note. We're off track. The daily challenge itself. Yes, the cenote was involved. Yes, it still looks wonderful. I really would like to jump in and swim around in that cenote. It's called Dive and Conquer. I'm going to give it an A minus. This is graded on a little bit of a curve as a daily challenge because I do believe that uh, you need some mini finals, quote unquote mini finals, along the way. Um, And so anytime one of those comes around, if there's one or two of them, they automatically get a little bit of a... It's not necessarily a bump, but they get graded on a slightly easier curve because I acknowledge that if if the finals are going to be what the finals of these challenges are, even the All-Stars one, that you have to, you can't just 100% do, you know, I would love to see all the really silly kind of wonky daily challenges come back. But if you only do those and then you still have a final, that is the endurance sport that it is it kind of doesn't really line up or make sense. So you got to have a couple of these mini finals, which means when you get one, uh, it's graded a slightly easier because I know and I understand like, hey, we have to do something along these lines uh, just because it, it kind of just makes sense. So it's a little bit of a mini final. The difficulty of the puzzle, absolutely loved. love me a very difficult puzzle. And the distance was, I felt like the distance was just exactly perfect, not just for you know our all-star crowd being able to all handle it and do it repeatedly but one mile half mile each way timing wise just makes the most sense from a uh, kind of getting it's right where you'd want it to be from this to make the strategy really matter of how many trips can we take versus how much should we try to memorize each time you know like running there and back on oh, it's a mile but also like you know, if we do that in 10 minutes, like we might sit and stare at that puzzle for 10 minutes on either end of this. So running that extra lap, you know, it, it just, it makes the strategy way better. If they have to run three miles or whatever, it's like, all right, we're gonna sit here for as long as we have to to memorize as much of this as have to. And if you only have to run a few hundred feet, then it's like, all right, well, we're just gonna memorize like two at a time and just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So distance was perfect. Difficulty of the puzzle, very high. Love, love, love that cenote being involved love that and also really enjoyed uh i it's i understand and it makes sense for usually in these you know where they're tied together in some way like hey you and your partner have to stay together i really appreciated it i'm betting that they did too that they just had to hold on to the same piece of rope they didn't actually have to be tied together because the the danger elements of that always in the past where it's like well what if the person behind me falls down and i don't realize they're going to yank me down too and this that and the other so i kind of like that like hey you both have to hold on to this but like if one of you needs a break just like stop and the other person stop and like no one's pulling each other down either way no one's we're kind of taking the 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 injury risk factor a little bit lower while still forcing you to stay together appreciated that so a minus all around for dive and conquer performances in it <laughs> have to start with the, the we don't have an award for the bonehead moment of the episode, but Jody I love, love, love Jody but how in the world did it take her, the, I think they were on their fourth time in the cenote before she even had to say to Brad, oh my God, I just realized that the horns of these skulls are different colors than the faces. I've only been looking at the faces and it's like they're the I don't know how big that board they're looking at is, but like each skull is I don't know maybe ten inches big, like tall. Like how how are you only seeing half of something that that is that small when you're looking at thirty of them or whatever it is on a board in front of you? How you don't <laughs> you don't realize that that's kind of the the big part of the entire puzzle? Um, not not a great look, but what is a good look is she and Brad regroup like super easy, which is. This seems like one of those puzzles that um, I, like I was as blown away as I was with how well MJ and John A did. The thing I was the most blown away from by far was when I think it was Brad and Jody get it wrong. They do a check. They get it wrong. They're like, there's something wrong. And they actually find a way to pretty quickly identify what exact couple of things are wrong and move them. Because on that board, when you're trying to look at all, uh, I don't know how many pieces it was. I'm just saying 30 because it, it seemed to at least be that many. Um At one time, that's crazy. So big bonehead move um, by her, but their ability to regroup and stay composed uh, just kind of, their bonehead move gave them another chance to show how impressive they can be and are as a team. So, uh, you know, kind of a a mixed grade for them. MJ, John A, they work great together. They get the win. And they certainly show, um, when we're talking about a final here, you know, all season long when we've been doing our power rankings, we've kind of really only limited it to three teams The from the couple episodes ago, once they went into the pairs and we were told and believe for now that those pairs are a hundred percent what they're doing the rest of the week, the rest of the season it was like, all right, Brad and Jody, Durrell and Janelle, Melinda, and Nehemiah. And that's, that's kind of it. One of those three is winning. And, We've got to full on open that up because MJ and Janelle certainly showed they've got what it takes to win, um, win a final together, and they worked really well together. They've got good puzzle skills. They both clearly have enough endurance for an All Stars final. So hats off to them. Darrell and Janelle showed some cracks that we we were kind of putting them up in that top three, in that you know top tier, based a lot on you know Darrell's obviously history and resume. And then, based on Janelle seeming to be, uh, you know, pretty high in the rankings of the females athletically this season. And then, mostly because we got that little thing at the beginning of the season that those two are friends from back in the day in Oakland and being like, mm, so now, you know, like, they're going to work together way better than anyone else knows. But we didn't actually have any evidence of them working together. We were just told they're friends from a long time ago. And so now, Uh, this, this one, while they, you know, they eventually get it done in a decent time and a decent showing, they definitely along the way don't have, you know, there's some moments where they're getting frustrated with each other or they're kind of taking slightly different approaches or wanting to be talked to in different ways during being partners together during a high intensity moment during a challenge. So some small cracks from them, Nehemiah and Melinda seem really, really solid between this and the elimination, as we said they they got the communication. They trust each other, which is the biggest thing of that they actually have. You know, they have kind of what we we took that one little piece of info from Darrell and Janelle and just assumed they have. And maybe maybe they do. Maybe they don't. It's now kind of undecided for me. But they have what Nehemiah and Melinda definitely have, and that is they've had a long enough relationship and understand and trust each other and know how how each other kind of ticks enough that they work really, really well together. They're a solid team together. They perform well, just not well enough to get the win. And then Tech and Ayana. Um, if these two make the final, um, I hope they do because that just means another episode of getting to watch them on TV. And they have been, you know, well, at the end of the season, anoint some MVPs and whatnot of the of the season. But they're certainly in that discussion because um, as far as being on tele- our television screens, A plus all across the board for these two, as far as how they work together in a daily challenge and how they might work together in a final, uh, the grade is lower than that A plus that they get um, for the television side of this. Uh, they they struggled in this, they managed to pull it off in the end and not get sent into the arena, but um, you know they definitely, if the last few daily challenges are evidence, this final daily challenge you know, they've got some work to do to not end up going straight to that arena themselves um, and be in a position where, you know, even Nehemiah and Melinda being safe or possibly winning the next daily can't really help them all that much. So those are your performances. That's the daily challenge. Let's then, uh, I guess we got two, two storylines left to touch on the other. We'll just skip ahead to the elimination, talk about the other uh, sporting event of the episode since we just did daily challenge. And since we're on Nehemiah and Melinda anyway, let's quickly run through the elimination. I would say while, you know, when they explained it, kind of interesting, I was like, you know, they they can't just do the same eliminations over and over and over. It is one of the biggest challenges for the producers of this show to put together, you know, season after season, episode after episode, like how can how can we make new, new eliminations that are interesting and cool and, you know, still like meet the right level of competitiveness and difficulty and whatever and this one just didn't pan out the, the way they necessarily maybe thought that it would. Visually, I thought it was kind of a dud. Um, you know, I guess there was some comedy in watching Nehemiah and Letarian get covered in sand, um, but really visually, it just kind of didn't didn't do a whole lot in that realm for me uh it i couldn't decide whether this was super easy or super hard um, maybe that was partially because one team made it look super easy and the other team made it look super hard uh but i i think it might have actually fallen on the more the really easy side i had a question the whole time of could, can is melinda and jasmine allowed to just try to put the gears together without like caring at all what's happening inside the cage because there's You know, there's only so many combinations you could try. They only fit, and they were constantly saying, like, they were realizing each of the six codes was wrong when one of the puzzle pieces wouldn't fit on the little placeholder. So, couldn't they just try and see which ones they fit on? Like, couldn't I feel like Jasmine could have just been like, I guess, you know, Letarian isn't offering a whole lot from inside this cage. I'm just going to try here. Um, And then. Yeah, that's really all I have to say about it. I mean, Nehemiah and Melinda got it done. It seemed to be very, very quickly, too. Um, it wasn't It wasn't necessarily 100% that Jasmine and Letarian were not doing that great. They seemed to be doing that thing they do when they edit these eliminations sometimes where they kind of use the same footage a few times in a row and acted a little bit like it was different moments or the time was actually continuing when they kept showing Letarian looking up and not being able to hear Jasmine or her not being able to hear him. Seemed like they were using some of the same shots a few times over. So there's part of me that thinks that this might not have this might have lasted a very short amount of time. Um, the only the real question I had coming out of the elimination it was sad to see Jasmine and Latarian go home. We'll talk more about Jasmine here in a moment. But at the end of it, they say, you know, Nehemiah and Melinda, you get your life shields. You're in the final, and that led me to the question: Are they? Does that mean they're? TJ's just telling them straight up you're not allowed to use the life shield on anyone else next time around? Like this is a different version of the life shield or is it just him assuming, you know, you've won a life shield. So you're safe. You don't get to, you're, you're going to use it on yourself. You're safe. You're not going in you. That means you're in the final because yes, I know they almost certainly wouldn't, but the way the life shields work in this season, it's uh, you know, what if, what if uh, Nehemiah and Melinda win the next daily challenge and have the life shield? Could they not, potentially then put that life shield on someone else. I know they would then be picking, but um, there's only a few other teams to pick from. So if they wanted to like really, really narrow it down and force it to be, you know, the other teams versus each other, or if they don't win and, you know, at least have to make the people go through the charade, even if it would be a charade of like, all right, put Nehemiah and Melinda's name on the board. They use their life shield, take their name off the board, put who we want up. Um, But at least give the option of what if Nehemiah... Was like, hey, like Kings Palace, we've ride or die the whole way. We're giving this to Tech and Iana You can put us in, in elimination. We'll we'll go in and win again. Like, go for it, you know, and have this huge ballsy Jordan on free agent style type of move of like, I'm I'm ri- I don't care. Like, I'm going in. I'll protect these other people. So it seems like that's just not not an option for them potentially, or maybe it is, and maybe it's just you know how they worded it here, but and maybe it'll just make if they were to somehow do that, make the storyline that more crazy of like they were in the finals and then they weren't. Um, but not hundred percent sure. Final storyline is Jasmine. Jasmine's definitely one of the centers of attention in this episode. And the main thing we have to say here is mid episode after the daily challenge, she struggles, uh, her and Latarian struggle, they get last, they're going in and she, she, st- you know is kind of doubting herself during the challenge after the challenge jody tries to give her a tiny a little bit of a pep talk at least like kind of console with her and she questions if she is in fact an all-star and like worthy of being there which we literally opened the show the little intro with yes jasmine is 100 an percent all-star and man it pulls at the heartstrings to hear her question that um but in defiantly saying yes, 100% Jasmine is an All Star. Deserves to be there. Deserves to come back as many times as she wants on All Star seasons of the future. It does kind of solidify that the show is settled in. You know, two seasons in now, two casts in, and um, nearing the end of the second season. To what All Star means and finding the the proper kind of phrases to use and lingo to use and way to talk about the show and the seasons and you know the winners and everything of it where if you remember back when all stars won the first trailer and the first episode or two there was a lot of like best of the best who's the greatest type of talk that was a part of that or type of words or lingo or you know flashing across the screen in the trailer um and it fell a little bit flat because it was like no this isn't this isn't the Challenge Goats, which is another season I I would like to pitch sometime in the future. Of. This isn't just who is the best at playing the challenge in, in the history and those people going against each other to see who's the best of the best. And it's not that, because if it was that, it would be a much different cast, and it would be a show that wouldn't last for a long time, because it, it would be more of that's that type of show, and again... I, I personally have thought about this type of show many times and I think it would be an actual flagship season called the challenge goats or something like that battle of the champions um, where it would be only people who have won or only people who have won twice or only people who have made three finals or whatever it would be. And you would do it once, maybe you'd do it twice and then it would kind of be it. Um, and cause the pool of cast that would fit that type of description would be much smaller and, we don't. You know, once you've done it once, you wouldn't be able to rotate people in and out. They've much done a, much, a very good job of, from that starting point where it wasn't maybe exactly the proper description or verbiage being used, they've really transitioned and settled into nicely, no, all-star means people we want to see on our television screens again, and people we would like to see over and over and over, and how good they are at the sport part of this show more or less doesn't matter like that yes if being great at that can help your chances of being on the show and they would I'm sure they would love the the most they can mix those two things the the more they can mix those two things the better but someone like Jasmine never made a final never won um if we're being honest doesn't have I mean I think she legitimately could if she made a final she could win an all-stars final for sure but flagship series of the show ain't going to happen but that 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 isn't what the show's looking for what they're looking for is who's fantastic at television who does the audience audience resonate with want to root for want to see want want to just see sitting and chatting with their friends which is the kind of the baseline of reality TV casting, and Jasmine is all of that in spades. She was a fan favorite on her, the seasons of the flagship show she did, and as, you know, coming into this season, she was one of my kind of three favorites, along with Tina and Tyler, Of uh, which, wow, I just realized that all, all three of the people I was the most excited for didn't make the final, bummer. Well, Jasmine was the last out of that big three for me of people I was just so excited to see on the television screen again, and she is 100%, no doubt about it, an all-star in the way that they've settled into what an all-star means, an all-star of the challenge is. And that's an all-star of the television show, The Challenge. Jasmine is that in spades. And, uh, it, you know, definitely it was an emotional moment to see her kind of doubting herself and her abilities. and um and it was definitely a bummer to see her, see her go home. Would have loved to see her make that first final. That is one of the other fun parts about this, not just being only the people who have succeeded the most in the the the, the game itself in previous. We have so many people that's like, I've never made a final before, and I wanna make a final and run a final and prove myself that I can do it, and now I'm proving I can do it way later in life than I thought. And those moments have been really, really awesome. And you know, like Melinda, this episode realizes I just made my first final ever. This is insane. This is amazing. This is so cool. I hope we get to see that for Jasmine, maybe on an All-Stars 3 or 4 or any season in the future. That's the storylines, though. Um, yeah, that's all of them. We went out of order, so I had to triple check the notes there. So let's move from there into our awards segment because we had. This was one of our better weeks as far as competition for our four pieces of hardware. So let's deliberate and debate and figure out who won each of those. All right, award number one. We got four, as always, best fit, best moment, best quote, and episode MVP. So the Tech Money Award for the best fit of the episode only one nominee, and it's the namesake himself yet again. Um, really probably should have just made this a, a segment of the show for the season instead of an award uh, because Tex just wins it almost every week or at least nominated. In the weeks he hasn't won, it's mostly because we're just trying really hard to find anyone else to win. But this one was a 100% no competition deserved Deserves an award for the outfit. Tech gets the award for the best fit. Uh, the Tech Money best fit of the episode goes to Tech because the knowing that, knowing almost with a hundred percent guarantee that he was going to walk out on that beach and see his name up on the board yet again up for nomination, he makes sure to look flawless walking out there and just confident as can be. He drops the full white robe, the yellow slides, the glasses. And you know, just walks out with the swagger and the confidence. Checks out the board, gives a little nod, walks back in like he couldn't be bothered, couldn't care less. Knew what was coming. He's ready for it, looking great while he does it. So the Tech Money Award for the best fit of the episode once again goes to the namesake Tech Money himself. Then we got the best moment, and this one uh, was a, a tricky, a tricky one to to nail down who should actually win. We had three nominees. And the first one is to Ayana, not for that moment, we'll get to that one in a moment, but Ayana calling out Letarian for cheating during the daily challenge when, one, he wasn't cheating, at least yet, and two, um, even if he was just standing right behind them looking at their puzzle... It's pretty just known in the world of the challenge. And honestly, I would even say outside of the challenge, if we extended this to you know Survivor or any other um, reality competition show that involves puzzles in any sort of way, that it's just open season. You gotta keep your cu- puzzle covered if you don't want someone to look at it. If you're not actually working on it, it should be covered up. This is a known thing in the world of the challenge. And so even if Letarian literally would have been standing right behind them, copying everything they were doing, I don't even know if I'm willing to call that cheating because I think that's just a part of this show. But he literally wasn't. He just walks behind them because he has to. That's the path over to his own board. And I, I think just wanting to get some frustration out because the puzzle wasn't going so well for them decides to just yell for no reason at one of their number one allies in the game. And text response and Latarian's response and just the whole thing I I found absolutely hilarious. And so that is why it is nominated for the first nominee for the best moment of the episode. Second nominee is shortly, maybe not shortly after that. I think they both run back to that cenote a time or two. So probably in real time, a, a good while after that. But in screen time, very closely after that is TJ when it gets down to Tech Ayana, Jasmine Letarian, and both teams are struggling. They're both arguing. They both don't totally know what the hell they're doing or how to how to approach trying to finish or rearrange what they have started. And TJ just gives breaks the fourth wall for a second and just looks directly at one of the camera, drops his chin down, raises the eyebrows a little bit, and just gives a look of pure exasperation. And can you believe this? And also mixed in with the like, these people just need to shut up and figure this out already and just. It's, it's fantastic, and it's, I've already seen it. Um, now, one of the few luxuries of doing this show a few days later than normal. Uh, I've already seen the image used uh, quite frequently in the in the challenge social media world, and I'm sure it's going to be used a lot for a long time to come. So that is another very small, but nominee for the moment of the week. And then, of course, we've got Iana's Greek salad performance, which um, I want to be... Totally. I, I want to be very candid, but also a little bit careful about how we handle this. Uh, it doesn't seem like they're, they've given us as much of the uh, of the evidence of what is happening here as what it seems like there actually is out there. As far as if this was a totally isolated incident, I don't think the the rest of the House in Jasmine in particular... Is reacting in the way they do to Ayana. I'm, uh, the way they react leads me to believe that this has been a full season of Ayana constantly like cleaning up after people and then like making it known like I'm cleaning up. Everyone else that lives here, you know, is gross and disgusting and lives in filth or whatever. When um, which gives you know gives the kind of reminders of last season with Arissa. Uh, leaving the show mostly because she just literally did not want to live with those people with the people anymore. And that, you know, now very memorable exit of hers um, from the show. So I'm, I'm giving the rest of the cast uh, the benefit of the doubt here and kind of, I don't know what the the reverse of that is um, against Ayana of that. I'm guessing what we're seeing here is something that's maybe something similar has played out a time or two maybe without someone's actual food that they bought and still expected to eat being eaten but I'm guessing with everyone's reactions that this has been an ongoing thing of Ayana maybe you know kind of trying to trying to make it seem like I'm you know I'm taking care of all of you or I'm doing I'm doing way more work around the house and like we should all be doing this we're all adults now like what the fuck um, but with all that said uh, couple facts that need to be said. Yes, 100% if it was handled differently. Jody, you buy a salad and you don't just leave it out in public space for 2 hours. You it, you know, if it was sitting in the kitchen right by the fridge or something for a couple hours, maybe maybe you got an argument for like, hey, like I was clearly still going to eat that, but you buy something, you go sit it outside next to a bunch of where in an you know, by the pool where there's a bunch of empty bottles, other half-eaten food, every, there's been a party and everyone has left the thing and your food's just still sitting there untouched, yeah, anyone's allowed to eat that, absolutely for sure. So that one point towards Ayata absolutely can eat that salad any any day of the week, that that was very, very fair game. How it's handled after that, maybe not 100%, but as we said before, even if it's rubbing everyone else in the house the wrong way, us as viewers are just getting wonderful, wonderful content out of it, and it is hilarious and fun and you know, if I was sitting there in selections when she gives her little speech to Jody about eating the Greek salad, I would be as silent and confused and awkward as everyone else in uh, sitting up there seemed to be in the moment. But watching it at home, I'm like, this is freaking amazing. Like what, what is even happening right now? How, how is this real? How is this what we're seeing? Uh, for her part, Jody, you know, I honestly, I don't think there's a single thing you could say back in that in that moment. So I think she handles it as best as possible. Cause I, I just really don't think, I think this is a thing where it's like, all right, I'm not exactly sure what's happening, but it's happening. And I think the only thing to do is just let it finish happening. And then we all, we all just move on to something else. Um, it's, it's fantastic. And Ayanna has definitely been just, I mean, that wasn't even the first we could have nominated her, for either kind of a quote, almost a non quote quote, or another part of a moment at the beginning of the selections where she says, I promise tech, I won't talk. So this is me not talking tech, go ahead, (laughs) whatever. Like that was hilarious and great. And every selection, um, she has done or said something very, very entertaining. So, um, that the whole Greek salad performance has to be nominee for a moment of the week. But even with all that said, um, I will, I'm going to have to go, I'm a little biased towards our guy TJ, but uh, just in a nod to how great he continues to be as the host of the show, I'm going with the best moment was the look TJ gave the camera during the latter stages of the daily challenge, so that's your best moment. Then we got quote of the week, three nominees. First up is Tech. Tech who opens the episode commenting on the fact that the King's Palace has been saved, that four of them went into elimination, and all four were allowed to return without doing that elimination. So let's hear straight from Tech himself on being saved from elimination. Just like a heathen on Sunday morning, we've been saved. Feels good to be back in the house, but I can't relax for too long because tomorrow's another day, we have another challenge, and if I don't win, then I'll probably be back in the arena again. Always, always makes, you know, just adds that little extra to an episode when you can just kick off the whole thing, which is an absolutely kick-ass confessional and a quote of the week nominee. Like I think it might have been some of the first words spoken in the episode, so thank you, Tech, for providing that. Then second nominee, Nehemiah, who... Also, kind of speaking on how they're gonna treat those that voted against them now that all of them in the King's Palace got to return, and that yet again, the King's Palace, even while performing quite poorly, gets to all remain and not go home. Right after Tech gives that his nominee for Quote of the Week, Nehemiah uh, gives his, and what kind of way they are going to treat those that voted against them. So let's hear that from Nehemiah. We're bringing that real street cold to the challenge. If you are voting for us to go in, you obviously don't want us to come back. So don't try to pretend with a celebration. We're too old for that right now. We'll let you win in in a second. We just have a couple of things to say about you. <laughs> I thought that was a yacht about that. And then final one, King's Palace. Again, as we said over and over, though they might not be performing great in the sport. They certainly are in the show because the third and final nominee for of the week is the third Uh, another member of the King's Palace Alliance, and that is Letarian, who comments on he and his partner, and specifically on Jasmine. They show up to the Cenote in the Daily Challenge. It's their time to jump in, and Jasmine's a little bit slow to jump, and Letarian trying as hard as he can to continue being the world's greatest partner, the world's greatest hype man, just one of the world's greatest people, and you know, and do everything he can to help Jasmine, to motivate her, to give her whatever encouragement she needs in the moment. He's a little bit conflicted on how he should he should approach this moment. So let's hear that straight from him. Mama Jazz is literally shaking. Relax, babe. Relax. Come on. You My heart's breaking for her. I also want to nudge her in too. It's not gonna hurt. Okay. It's not gonna hurt. <laughs> a- I'm. I'm not. 100% positive. I don't know that we've ever seen a, a partner or a team member straight up just push someone that doesn't want to jump off of something into the water on the challenge, but this was the first moment where I I really thought Letarian, Letarian was a top, top top candidate for actually doing it and being able to everyone be like that's totally cool because he just he has the exact resume you would need to actually do that and get away with it and have the person not be upset and no one be upset of he's just such a great person and he's such a great partner but he cares so much and wants to kick ass so much and he just lives those two brands so so honestly and so forthright that if he would have actually in this moment you know, kind of giving a look, maybe like a look back at the producer just to like 100% clarify, like, look, as long as we're just off the cliff, there's, it's a safe landing straight into the water, right? And if he just gave like a little nudge or like a little fake trip and pushed, maybe fell with, or maybe was like, hey, I'll pick you up and we'll jump in together. How about that? Like, we'll pick you up, we'll jump in, I'll hit the water first, you won't hurt you as much, whatever. Uh, I feel like he could have pulled it off. But of those three nominees, gotta give it to Tech, but, um, the bonus points that win it are the opening of the episode again. I love I love opening the episode on such a high note and like oh we're gonna get we're getting great content all the way through here. So tech just like a heathen on Sunday morning we've been saved the quote of the week. Then as far as episode MVP should probably come as no surprise at this point of the awards or this podcast episode, but. MJ and John A, they get some votes. They get the daily win. They clearly show the teamwork. They're they're involved a lot in the episode. And as we said before, they vaulted my mind up into they can definitely win the final where I maybe wasn't, you know, unfairly or not, wasn't necessarily thinking about them actually winning the whole thing. And now I very much am. They got some votes. Iana gets some votes uh, because even if I didn't love, um, if I was in the house personally, wouldn't have loved all of the the things she gets into and says in this episode. Um, I certainly loved watching all of it. So she gets some votes. Nehemiah and Melinda get some votes for winning the elimination and making the final. But the MVP of this episode is Tech. It's not even close from the quotes, the outfits. He's a part of every one of the storylines this episode and most of them throughout the season. Um, And he is the one which is a common kind of thing for... Thinking about an episode MVP is, who did I want more screen time for? Who would I have given all of the screen time to if I could? It was him in this episode. I wanted more and more and more and more for him and every, as much as it endangered his game, uh, I was happy to get more and more from him through the Daily Challenge, the elimination, the, um, the nominations, the selections, all of that. So Tech is your MVP. Those are your four awards. Let's then, we got our hardware handed out mostly to Tech. He's a three-time, actually, oh man, I guess technically Tech almost swept those awards because TJ looking at the camera had something to do with what was happening with Tech and Iana. So he's almost kind of a part of that moment. So three and a half out of four awards to Tech Money this week. Where will that place him though in the power rankings? That is the final question of the episode. So let's quickly update those power rankings and those season-long predictions. With the power rankings this week, um, I have to say, uh, because there's not a lot of other opportunities as far as predictions go on this season of All-Stars 2, to pat myself on the back. I will pat myself on the back on my power rankings now. This is the second week in a row that the team listed as the bottom team of my power rankings has then immediately gone home, so feels like I've gotten, I've at least gotten that right. Um, it have been a little you know, on track in this. And the rest of the power ranks, though, we got five teams left. And pretty much looking at who's going to win this final right now, um, even if one of these five teams will not participate in the final, uh, the power rankings do shake up quite a bit. One and five stayed the same. Again, last week, number six was Jasmine Letarian. They're now gone. One and five stay the same. Jody and Brad are still number one. Ayana and Tech are number five. I, I think of these four teams, I, they're the only one that I don't really... I don't see any scenario where they're winning. Um, you know, uh, it is what it is. I would love to be proven wrong. It would, I think them winning, the celebration, if those two won, I, I want to see that, desperately want to see that. I want to hear what they would say, what they would do. It, it would be fantastic, but I don't see it happen. So they're in, still in fifth. Jody and Brad are still, they're dominating. We'll get to the predictions in a moment with one kind of, Kinda spoiler, maybe, but not really. Uh we'll just brace you now minutes ahead of when it's actually said, but there will be a tiny, tiny spoiler if you didn't watch the trailers for the season or maybe didn't pay attention to the trailer for the season all that hard coming in a minute. But Brad and Jody are number one. Melinda Nehemiah move up to number two for me. They're in the final. So that, you know, that is mostly part of that john a and mj move up to number three janelle and darrell drop from number two to number four mostly because in the next week on they mentioned janelle maybe has a bad back and maybe feels like she can't compete um so that makes me nervous as combined with the kind of cracks they showed of maybe not working together 100 as well as we thought they might um in this daily challenge they move down to number four John A. and M.J. move up to number three, Melinda Nehemiah. And really, going into next week, I would say if uh, next week Ayana and Tech are eliminated and we get these the final four of Brad, Jody, Melinda, Nehemiah, John A. M.J., Janelle, Durrell, I think any of those four teams could win the final. Uh, injuries notwithstanding or potential injuries notwithstanding. So that is your power rankings. Jody, Brad, Melinda, Nehemiah, John A. M.J., Janelle, Durrell, Ayana, Tech. As for season-long predictions, we took... More hits this week from our our preseason predictions of the 10 that would make the final. Turns out it's only going to be eight people, and regardless, we've already got five wrong. Jasmine added to the list of those we thought would make the final and will not. Melinda did make it, so we at least have one 100% for sure right. Brad, Darrell, Jody, and Janelle still standing and open, so I could maybe get five right, and I guess five out of eight would be a pretty good number. In our preseason prediction for winners of Brad and Jody, very much in play, and they're on the same team. So it could actually legitimately happen. As for our predictions we've made throughout the season, we've got a few right. We said honor in the water for 50% of the daily challenge, five out of seven, that's locked in, that's good. Life Shield used at least 50% of the time, eight out of nine used, that's locked, that is correct. Three Kings Alliance would get worked by the rest of the house, Uh, that is 100% true. And since we said that after episode five and episode six, saw voted into elimination but they won it episode seven saw two teams go into the elimination but a dq saves them from going home and then episode seven or eight lose and get voted in and face each other again so just six seven eight three times in a row they've just been decimated and thrown in and thrown in and thrown in and gotten saved by some some unforeseen events in certain parts but that one's correct We've got wrong. We thought the KyoS duo would become the swing votes. Tyler and Janelle didn't really happen. We thought Brad and Jody. We said last week our newest and final one was that they would be voted in every time they didn't win the daily, but they did not get voted in this week. So that is incorrect. The two still standing. Durrell doesn't see an elimination. One left to go. Seems pretty good odds on that one. And then we'd said MJ and John A would flip on Brad, Jody, Durrell, and Janelle, and Dang, if John A didn't want to, she didn't, she wanted to, very, very clearly, she wanted to, they thought about it, MJ puts a stop to it though, and doesn't let it happen, but it could still happen, maybe, I think if they were to win another daily challenge, I think John A wouldn't, wouldn't let that opportunity slip twice, and that brings me to our our new prediction, we're not actually going to add one to our season long one, just because there's only one episode left before the final, so it'd kind of just be re-predicting something we've already predicted more or less, but Review preview style prediction for next episode. Um, is again where if you didn't, if if, if you hadn't watched the spoiler or the, haven't watched the spoilers, geez, if you haven't watched the trailer for the season or don't remember it, or aren't one of those people that are psychos like me that both hate spoilers but will watch this the trailer for the season six times over and try to pull little facts and spoilers essentially out of them. Uh, you can go ahead and just uh, press you know that 15 second pass forward or even end the episode now because this is the final, final thing. But uh, the next episode from the trailer. We know, very straightforward, Brad and Jody are in the next elimination because they show them, the two of them, working together in an elimination in the trailer for the season, and it's in the arena, so it's not some during the final thing. So my single prediction for the next episode is that we know Brad and Jody are going to be in there. I think one way or the other, they are going to end up going against Darrell and Janelle. I think those two have been working together all season long, are going to get pitted against each other at the last moment and only one of them. I don't know if that's going to be from MJ and John A winning and, you know, going with the other group. um, I don't know if that's from, uh, you know, Darrell and Janelle get last in the daily challenge and go straight in. And then the other, you know, you got four Kings Palace versus two non that are doing the voting. So they're going to throw in the other, you know, non Kings Palace one, whatever it is, I think. Uh, one way or another the numbers could weirdly actually go in the king's palace's favor even though they have less people right now because they um they have votes although i guess that's not factoring in if if nehemiah and melinda have to use their life shields then they don't get to vote so one way or the other though i think it's brad jody versus Darrell and janelle in the next elimination um and that is our single prediction just for the next episode but with that Time number two of doing this podcast has come to an end, and thankfully, I believe uh, uh, that this one will actually get to get put out into the world. So, thank you for being here. Apologies, it was slightly delayed this week. Again, we will be back on Thursday for episode nine's recap. Two episodes left, one before the final here um, of All Stars 2. And then we're going to be challengeless for a little while, we're going to figure out what to do with that. But thank you for being here. Hit that follow, subscribe button if you haven't already. Um, and now I saw also Spotify very recently and kind of maybe unbeknownst to a lot of people. I didn't know it was happening until I just saw it pop up. Allows you to rate podcasts now the same way Apple Podcasts and iTunes always have. So Uh, If you see that pop up on your Spotify, feel free to throw a five-star rating our way as well. As always, you can follow us over on Instagram at Chat Challenge Historian or on YouTube if you prefer to watch or listen to these podcasts there at Challenge Historian as well. So thanks for being here. I will talk to you all again this Thursday for episode nine. Until then, peace.